In this episode with Dr. Alan Mead from the Very Dental Podcast, we're going to cover the five things we wish we knew at the very start of our careers. It was so much fun talking to Alan. This episode is very relatable. And I know usually that's the kind of episodes you guys love the most. The kind of themes that we talk about are beyond dentistry. They're about life and values, but also we have a few clinical themes as well. I think you're going to gain from this episode whether you are a young dentist at the very start of your career or you're going to look back your career and reflect on some of the things that particularly Dr. Mead, who's had you know, 27 years in dentistry in his reflections and my reflections from the last 11 years and how I wish I did things slightly different from the very start. Hello, Pratish Gulati. I'm Jazz Galati. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. It's great to have you. You are officially now a Pratish If you're listening to this and you like what we do, you are Pratish And this is a free podcast for the community. If you want to get CPD or CE certificate and get access to premium notes, which pop up on the side, then please do support the podcast and join our membership at www.protrusive.app. Now to the main show and I'll catch you in the outro. Dr. Alan Mead, welcome to the Pratish podcast. How are you, my friend? I'm good. How are you doing? Amazing. I was just We were just talking now before we hit the record button. Uh, I told you about my adventures of sleeping on the rug downstairs because the couch is too small and me feeling a million dollars because of the fact that I was away from, from babies. My, my second one, as I told you, is a terrible sleeper. And then you very admirably confessed and, 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 and admitted that actually your kids were, were good sleepers. And that's very good of you, I think. Yeah, both kids. The first one, we were, you, know, you don't know anything when you have your first one. So you don't know what's normal. And he slept through the night almost immediately. So that's just what we thought was normal. So then when the other one didn't, like every night, we thought there was something wrong with him or something. Uh, yeah. So I, I'm very lucky. <laughs> we have very good sleepers. Yeah. I've got two bad sleepers. My, my, yeah, my four-year-old's okay now, but just the six month is uh, it's taking its toll on us a bit. But yeah, this is the, the beauty uh, of it. You have to enjoy it. It's a, it's a phase and we'll get over it. Um, yes. Today, we, we, I'm welcoming you on as someone who I look up to so much. Obviously, I came on the Very Dental Podcast uh, and you are, as I, as I said on that episode, you are the OG of dental podcasting. Hey. For those small number of people who haven't uh, seen your content, uh, heard of the podcast uh, obviously I'm going to encourage everyone to, to check it out but please tell us about yourself as, as a, the, the podcaster the dentist the family man so I, uh, I'm a dentist in Saginaw, Michigan and I live in a town called Midland, Michigan they're, they're about both two hours north of Metro Detroit area so I'm kind of in the middle of the mitten of Michigan if you will and compared to most of your listeners and frankly most of my listeners I probably am closer to a rural dentist. Like I, the, the town I work in is about 60,000 people, which is not rural, but I mean, it's, it's relatively small compared to a lot of folks. Although we do have a ton of dentists here. I graduated from the university of Minnesota in 1997. So I've been practicing for 20 some years, 26, 27 years, something like that. I bought my practice, the practice that I'm in right now in 1998. So I've been in the same practice for whatever that math is, but 20, 25 years now. Um, Amazing. Yeah, I bought I I bought a building ten years ago and renovated it. So I've been in this building for ten years. Started the podcast almost ten years ago. Started the it started out as the as the Dental Hacks podcast. I have a coffee mug that has the Dental Hacks on. Yes, I remember uh, that original image the, very well. The Dental Hacks podcast uh, in 2021, we kind of split up, and I took the podcast. He took the Facebook group, and so I, I rebranded as the Very Dental Podcast. What's funny about it is. Is like everyone. Everyone thinks as a podcaster, you need to make sure you you have a really narrow niche. And I mean, dentistry is a narrow niche, yes. But like, we didn't have a very specific. We were dental. We weren't like you know specifically business or specifically or, clinical. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. And yeah. so, I, and I've kind of kept it that way. I'm sort of all over the 
all over the map, London. And, and I, you know, obviously there's things that I like to focus on more than other things, but the reality is a dental, dental, it's for dentists, dental team members, dental. I, I have a, a shocking amount of dental salespeople, like people who are, who are in the dental industry, who are salespeople. And I came to realize that it's because um, they commute all the time. They're driving all over the place. And yes. so they have, they have podcasts. And, and they gain valuable insight and inside knowledge from, yep. from listening. And I, I have the same, actually. Uh, people reach out to me. And what I like about the, the, your podcast, Very Dental Podcast, is that, you know, very clinical, for example, like a theme, a sub-branch, if you like. Mm-hmm. And you've got a variation of guests. So I, I do admire that. And you have the group functions, which, which actually, I don't know if you know, I, I actually also have group functions. I promise I didn't copy you. Uh, <laughs> but I noticed that you had group functions. And I had group functions. It's a similar concept. But mine, because obviously my interest in occlusion, yours generally, because it's a great name uh, for it. Yeah, and, and, and that's, I think that's w- one way yeah. I have a roundtable. When I have more than one guest, I call that the group function. Yeah. Because we used to... We used to call it a brain trust back in the day and actually those are some of the most popular episodes and they're as you know as a podcaster it's harder to get groups all to be able to record at the same so, time. so yeah it's a little harder the, to do the group function ones well uh, with the theme of your podcast and how they can vary in, in, in across density uh, i'm actually really excited to, to, to delve deep into today, today's topic so five things I wish I knew at the start of my career. And I, and I, I was thinking, when we were discussing about uh, you coming on the show, about, hmm, what could I ask Alan? I'm sure you have uh, guests like this where you think, you're trying to put a finger on, okay, what, what can I, how can I make a, a fruitful episode to, 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 to maximize uh, the, the, the sort of exchange? And with you, I thought, because you've spoken to so many dentists, you're so well-networked, and you've been in the same practice for so many years, which is, I think, yeah, so yeah. valuable. Uh, I'm really excited to hear your five. I've also brainstormed my five, but I'm more interested mm-hmm. in yours, and I might just... Yeah. Uh, 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 slip in with mine. So please, if you, if you don't mind, uh, one at a time, what are the five things you wish you knew at the start of your career? What's numero uno? I think uh, number one might might go through all of the things that I came up with. Uh, I guess, in stated simply, you are not your career. I think, I think a lot of people, dentists in particular, dentists in this space who are sort of social media savvy and listen to podcasts and are kind of not only is it is it a job for them but it's sort of a lifestyle and they they sort of immerse themselves in it i think people like us are prone to have too much focus in basically uh defining who we are by what we do and i think that Mm -hmm. that is i think that that's a problem for dentists because and I'm, I mean, I'm guilty. I'm as guilty as the next person. I started on, I, I, in 2002, I got on Dentaltown and I've been kind of online, online in dentistry and like sort of in the, in the know with that kind of stuff for that long. And so I tend to think of myself as a dentist first. And in the reality is none of us are dentists first. We're people first. And, and dentistry is a, it's, you know, it's a vocation and it, and it can be something you're passionate about. But, but I think it's important that you realize that you're good. I have to, I have to say that, um, uh, running through this, my experience, I, I'm a recovering drug addict and, and alcoholic, and I've been clean and sober for 21 years, so it's it's been a while. But mm-hmm. I remember, I remember when I was in treatment, I was in treatment for four and a half months. I, I was basically plucked out of my practice. Uh, my dad ran my practice while I was in treatment, and, and the thing that I realized was life doesn't change at all that I'm not in that office like like there is no one there might have been people oh he's not here today you know like it was not as much as I want to believe that it's you know I it's very important that I am their dentist and and it's very important in the world that I am a dentist for those four and a half months I really wasn't a dentist I was just a guy trying Mm -hmm. to trying to get clean and sober and and I think the other thing that I run into it in the same vein I've worked with a lot of dentists attempting recovery and the dental team members maybe with drug and alcohol problems is that like 
there's a lot of people that don't get to do what they learn to do. There's people that have to stop, whether it's because they lose their license or some people medically cannot do it anymore and that sort of thing. And, and the reality is those people struggle sometimes when, you know, because they, they think about their own personal being. They're, they're dentists, man. And so mm-hmm. it's important that you understand that you are not your career. And that sounds so trite, but it's, I, think, I think it's a very, it's a really good point. And I didn't realize this until much later. Well, two reflections I have on that. One is the second point you made about actually, you know, if you need to take a, either a forced or unforced sabbatical of any sort or any reason to stop dentistry, then yeah, life moves on. And it's, it's actually liberating. I know Gary Vee talks about this, that actually we need to see ourselves as a, this tiny speck in the universe. And actually we are not that important. And it's, 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 you know, get over ourselves and we're not, we're not yeah, that yeah. important. Uh, but at the same time, we are also the most important thing because our health is so important because without our health, then we cannot serve our families uh, and be there for them. And the second reflection actually is you remind me of uh, the very first chapter, I believe, of the book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Yeah, yeah. Have you, have you mm-hmm. read that classic? I'm yeah I, a million years ago I did sure yeah and so it talks about being value centered right and so one of the sins is like being spouse centered or being child centered and one of the other sins is it actually talks about a doctor like if you're like um, career centered and then your total existence is defined by your career like this mm-hmm. doctor example they gave the number plate has doctor on it kind of thing then if that gets taken away from you or, or if you have a, a patchy time which we will do in our careers right then mm-hmm. suddenly your universe has turned upside down so yep. uh, totally agreed and I think that's the two things that remind me of there. Any reflections on that before we move on to number two? No, I'd say I think you got it. And I think one of the problems with a lot of these things is that I didn't real I didn't realize them. I, I didn't understand them or know them until I had to kind of experience them. And and I don't know that the, it's frustrating because I do a I, I do a segment on on one of the shows that I've done. I, I always called it I called it the single use time machine. It was like if you could go back in time at one time and use use the single use time machine and, and you know talk to yourself or change something in your life and and the, the answer always ends up it's okay i wouldn't have listened anyhow i wouldn't have listened to myself anyhow because like i wasn't <laughs> at the time i wasn't ready to hear that and i think a lot of times yes that's real that's i mean and continues each day i think i'm on some level i'm not sure that i'm you know i'm a lot of times you're not really ready to hear stuff until you're ready so well, the beauty of what you're saying and what you're going to be saying for the next 20 minutes so, and in the list of, of five, actually, I'm going to jump in with my, I'm going to choose the most similar one to what you say and okay. go parallel if you don't mind. Uh, I think that'd be quite interesting. But I think the beauty of this is that if you ask me five years ago or if you ask me in five years time and if I ask you a different moment in time, your answer of the five may be slightly different. Oh, right? yeah. Because of where you are in your life, where you are with your family, your career, everything like that. Um, so that's interesting. So the, the closest one to what you said that I have in my list of five is actually um, don't commit to working Saturdays. Uh, now, yeah. there's a caveat there because I think when you are young, your first five years, you need to get your hours in. You need to get the experience. You yeah. need to um, do as best you can. But uh, I regret committing to Saturdays because now my kids are at school. And uh, when it comes Saturdays, I don't want to be at work. I want to yeah. be with, with my yeah. children. What's your experience been with, with working Saturdays and, and, and your w- clinical work hours? Yeah, I never worked Saturday. I mean, I I I, I cut back. I, I worked Fridays. When I bought my practice in 1998, it was four days a week. Uh, here and then I would work half days in my dad's practice back home. So I was an associate for my dad, and that didn't even last all that long. That was one of the things. So mm-hmm. so and and I don't. It's really funny because I don't even know. I don't even know why I did that. I don't know that I. I don't know that I needed the money. <laughs> Wise beyond your years. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't know that I needed the money at that time. I I will say that this is not on my list. But like, 
I haven't been the guy that's needed all the things. So I, so money hasn't been, you know, even even for a relatively low producing guy, it's been fine. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I listen, the older you get, now maybe, maybe people just love it so much they're going to want, I would never practice on a Saturday. I mean, like yeah. that, at, that, at some point you've got to have a life out of, out of work, you know? So I, in the last year, I've actually gone down to three days clinical. I mean, so I amazing. do. It is amazing. And it, what's funny is I think, if you have patients lining up the door and you just can't get them all in, probably cutting back that much is not a great thing or, or you need to figure out. But I, I didn't, I was a, I'm pretty much able to do in three days what I did in four. So it's, it, uh, mm-hmm. because it's not, you know, I'm and that's a recurring theme. I'm sure you've had doctors all uh, recurring theme on your podcast as well, t- talking about that, you know, that don't work five days clinical, don't work six days clinical. That's a, mm-hmm. uh, that's suicidal, you know, that's the retake his toll on your health. Yeah. Oh yeah. That boy does it. I mean, Three is plenty at this point. For I, I, I do longer, three longer days. But it's, it's, you know, I, I you're never going to run into a spot where you think you're, you're working too little. I think, I think that's you're probably never going to feel that way. That's true. And just to, before we move to the next one, just to justify, because I have a, a fairly young audience and a lot of these people may be working Saturdays, and that's totally fine. I've been working Saturdays since I was 16. I used to work mm-hmm. at a DIY shop called Homebase. I was working Saturdays. I was working at the stadiums doing hospitalities on Saturdays. Uh, I did lots of Saturdays because I wanted to really work at that specific practice. And as a young dentist, I could only take me on a Saturday. Sure. And it was sure. great to get the experience and stuff. But now I'm at a different phase in life. And now mm-hmm. I've come to look for, for what's right for me now in my phase uh, is this. So, Alan, number two, what's your Number two for five things I wish I knew at the start of my career. Your life will have a lot of benefits if you avoid alcohol or other mood-altering substances, which is mm-hmm. a pretty obvious one coming from me. But like the the longer I've been clean and sober, the more I think that living free of alcohol and other drugs, mm-hmm. like completely free of, like I don't, I'm not the guy, I'm not the wet blanket who points a finger at someone who's having a drink or whatever. But I I, I tend to, I see less and less value at all for it, even for people who don't have a problem with it. I so I. It's, and I mean, a lot of people, that sounds like a wet blanket thing again, probably, probably the kind of thing that one might learn after a long period of time. Uh, they, they may look back and realize that, that, that they wish they hadn't done that. So I, but, but I see a lot of, uh, well, you know, how Instagram or, or Twitter or whatever, or TikTok, they have your, they have your algorithm. They know what, what, what is effective getting in front of you. I see a lot of sobriety influencers out there, which is interesting to me. I never thought, I never thought sobriety would have its own selling points that way, but lo and behold, I, I um, do see I, some I, of that. Alan, tell me, I, I actually, I feel like an idiot here. I don't know what sobriety means. Sobriety, just that you don't use drugs or alcohol. Just like, oh, so okay. in, in, in the United States, anyhow, a lot of times, I don't love sobriety because sobriety almost always pointed towards alcohol use specifically. And the mm. alcohol wasn't really my problem, but uh, that's in general around here, sobriety. So basically, these are people who've gotten clean and sober. They're in recovery mm-hmm. and they're mm-hmm. sort of the influencers, which is very funny to me because that seems like it doesn't seem like the kind of thing you would necessarily wave a flag about. But here we are. Mm-hmm. So I guess I, I don't fault them for it. And and I mean, if if it's a let, let me just say this. If you've ever asked yourself if you might be drinking too much, people who aren't drinking too much never asked to tell us that. Like, like the, the idea of, oh boy, I may drink it too much. But that's not, not the kind of thing that someone who doesn't drink very much asks themselves. So that's just something to think about. Hey guys, Jazz again, just interfering with a very quick message. Remember how we're raising money for Smiles for Nafisa? So if you're not up to speed for this, Nafisa is the daughter of a fellow dentist, a Petrusarati called Sakina. 
They live in Tanzania and poor Nafisa has a genetic disorder, which means she's fighting for her life. Now, I made a video about this on Instagram, so please do check out at Patricia Dental. Please check out my video, my plea, and why we should all club together to save her life. Because if she gets this genetic therapy before age two, we can actually do something really awesome and save her life. I know you would do the same if you were in Sakina's position. So as she's part of the community, I think it'd be great if you have any money in your charity budget per year to donate. That'd be really great. So I'll put those links in the show notes. But just to give you an update that the drugs company has agreed. So by the way, we need to raise like $1.8 million. I know it's insane, right? But they've done almost 700K already. And the drug company has agreed that if you can give a million, if you can get to a million, then they will actually give Nafisa the genetic therapy she needs. And then the rest can be on installments. So this is, we're actually inching closer for her getting the treatment and saving her life. So please do check out my Instagram video on at Protrusive Dental. And please do consider donating at www.protrusive.co.uk forward slash Nafisa. Thank you so much to all of the Protrusive who have donated so far or even just shared that Instagram post to get more reach. Let's join Dr. Alameed again for this episode. Well, a few episodes ago, I actually had an anonymous guest. So we did this thing where we warped his voice mm-hmm. and stuff because mm-hmm. he was talking about very I, yep, sensitive topics of, yep. uh, yeah, drinking too much and uh, a tough relationship. And it was a really human uh, episode. And you know, back to your first point that, you know, we are humans first and anything that can alter our human state and our mind, I echo that. Now, on the flip side, Alan, what are the kind of things that you do to promote good health? Obviously, that's preventing uh, bad health and keeping your mind clean. But um, are you someone who takes uh, health supplements? Are you someone who does other health things like on the topic I recently started to take something called lion's mane these like type of uh, mushroom capsules which improve your focus I can't comment on whether they uh, are really working at the moment or not I'm taking vitamin D I do three monthly blood tests uh, to, to make sure my vitamin D is good and my other markers cholesterol do do you promote or do any of this kind of stuff yeah actually I mean it's it's one of my it's one of my my points but um, so I I was wildly overweight for most of my life Actually, I, I lost uh, when COVID, when they shut us down in the U.S. for COVID back in 2020, so it was March, I started running, which isn't a good thing to do for a, a, you know, a late 40s guy with a lot of weight. I kind of wrecked my ankles by running. And then I switched to cycling, but I lost about 50 pounds. Uh, you, know, you look and, great, and, man. And, and what's funny about that is that it wasn't that hard, but I had nothing but time on my hands. Like, what else was I going to do? So that's mm-hmm. kind of what I, I decided to do. But like, I'm actually a type two diabetic. I've had high blood pressure forever. I've had health issues, and it's it has everything to do with my weight. Here's the thing: this is the one, you know, the the one thing I look back on. I used to think that if I could use that time machine, I would go back and explain to myself that I'm an addict and that I can't I can't safely do this stuff. It's actually not what I would do. What I would do this: you need you need to lose this weight now because a mm-hmm. it's you know the longer you the longer you're overweight like this, the longer you're the longer you're unhealthy like this the more toll it takes on you and and the harder it is to change as you're older. So I'm, I'm you know, one of mine is break a sweat every day. If you can, you like, Amazing. like do something, do something that, that breaks a sweat. Like, like I don't run anymore cause I just can't do it. My ankles and feet mm-hmm. are all messed up, but I ride a bike as many days a week as I can. And I ride pretty hard. Um, I, what's really funny. I, I bought a bike. I bought a really nice bike. It's sort of what they call a gravel bar- bike, which looks like a 10 speed, but it's got kind of mountain bike tires on it and stuff right before I turned 50 in uh, 2021. And, uh, I like it, but I didn't realize, like, I just was buying a decent bike cause I was riding a lot. I mean, it was the only thing the bike shop had, like, remember mm-hmm. back in the 2020, 2021, they didn't, ha- no one had anything to sell. Like there were no, there was no stock mm-hmm. of anything. Well, I didn't even know. I love mountain biking. And it's not really a mountain bike. I love mountain. So I, I now have like, I think we have, I have four bikes maybe. 
I, I can't even remember. Like I, I mountain bike most days and I have trails near my house. There's trails I can drive to that are really good. So I mountain bike when I can, and I, I sweat a lot. So it's, I found exercise that doesn't feel like exercise to me. It doesn't at all. Mm-hmm. Like I, I never think about it. Oh, I gotta go ride the mountain bike. It's never like that for me. I mean, if I get a chance to ride the mountain bike and it's been like this for years now, so it doesn't seem like it's changing. So I, uh, I'm an exerciser. I exercise a lot, mm-hmm. like, like a lot, a lot. And, and when I get out there, I really sweat. And so I think, I think but that's this is more really of a recent important. thing in, in your time of life. Yeah, like this is more is. of a, an, an, it is. Yeah, a more recent thing. Since mm-hmm. 2020. And you wish, like I've you said, consistent. the whole theme, you wish you did it at the start of your career rather than left it too late, oh my right? Oh gosh. Think about yeah. this. Okay. Dental school, University of Minnesota, some of the nicest gym facilities maybe in the world sitting right there. And I had access to it the whole time. I never did anything. I didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. I drank beer. That's what I did. You know, is it uh, <laughs> like I, I, so the reality is, and these are all things that are super obvious. Everyone knows the things you should do yeah. to be healthy and what, but it's not, they're not an easy choice to make because there's other mm-hmm. fun, cool things. And you're young and you don't, you're healthy when you're young, mm-hmm. when you're young, you know, when you're in your twenties and thirties and you're overweight at, and, and maybe you drink too much and you, you don't have a lot of consequences of that. Like, you know, you don't have high blood pressure. You don't have diabetes. You know, like it doesn't come on until later. Here's the thing, though. If I had it to do over again, I would smack myself silly and tell myself to knock it off, you know, because it's like mm-hmm. it's a lot harder to do when you're older. And and I mm-hmm. have regrets. And frankly, I'm still diabetic. I take medicine for diabetes every day. My blood sugar is really well controlled, mm-hmm. but it's not gone. Everyone who says, oh, once you lose the weight, you'll lose diabetes. Mm, nah, not really. <laughs> I still have it. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm, I'm managing it quite well, but it sucks. I'd rather not, I'd rather not. Thank you very much. You know, so it's one of these things where the fact that I wish I knew at the start of my career, again, I don't know if I was ready to hear it then, you know, like, I don't know That's that true. I would have listened to myself, but frankly, if I could have seen myself as a, as a person that's not carrying as much extra weight, that might've been more impressive than anything I might have to say to myself. Mm-hmm. And so back to that theme, if I, if I, if I asked you um, eight or 10 years after uh, qualifying for dental school that you, you probably wouldn't have said this at that point, but now looking back, not. Uh, yeah. you do. Now, th- that's not on my list, the, the, the health stuff, but I, I kind of always have looked after my health uh, in terms of exercise. It's an important value for me, except the last year I did blip. Like this year, I started really well, but last year I did blip and that was self-induced. It was, um, it was such a big feat to create the occlusion course that we did that it, 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 I had to sac- And I actually, what I did was, and it's really sad actually, I had to make a list of things I was willing to sacrifice uh, and things I'm not willing to sacrifice and I had to value my family and the time with children and I knew that to, to the hours I needed to get this done it meant that it'll be it'd be a very little gym uh, and so that that sucked but but I nothing enhances my mood and reduces stress uh, more than exercise and I'm sure mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You, you found that that's all um, evidence-based uh, the only thing I have perhaps not even similar but the, just, just to offer one of my from one of my list is um, when you are young work to learn not work to earn uh, mm-hmm. and I've said this on a podcast before but I was uh, offered this um, position on, on Harley Street and I was also opposite uh, which is like the, the main street in, in London where all the, the quote unquote big doctors are etc and uh, I knew uh, from, from someone that if I'd worked there my production would have gone up significantly at, at, mm-hmm. at, at, at mm-hmm. such a young age but uh, this other place had a really good mentor uh, and didn't have as many patients uh, but the mentor was always there like you know how sometimes oh yeah come, come and work for me as an associate and I'll mentor you but that guy's not there like yeah, uh, at yeah. all at the practice uh, he was very much there and so I, I'm glad I picked it at that time but it's something I, I always echo uh, and so it's something I, I realized a little bit uh, later but I'm glad I was told that about four years after qualifying so uh, obviously you've always owned your place but any any experiences or reflections on that man it, I've talked about mentorship a lot and it is a hard it's hard 
because it requires not it requires not only you to be receptive to hearing hearing things from a mentor, but honestly, it takes a lot of time and effort for the mentor to like they got to be pretty committed to it. And and frankly, uh, it's hard to find someone in the United States that it's just mentorship just doesn't have much. It's hard. It's a lot harder to find someone who's going to commit that kind of time because they got other stuff going on. Uh, if you can find a mentor, it's, it's worth its weight. And frankly, if you if you have to take a pay cut to do it, you should. You absolutely should. Amazing. I'm glad you echo. But just a cool thing I'm going to reveal for the first time, first ever time I'm revealing this, is uh, I have, uh, I'm have an investor in a startup at the moment. I won't reveal the name of it just yet, but it's all about connecting mentors with mentees. It's, That's it's a great essentially idea. Uh, 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 that. And so uh, uh, exciting things uh, to come. Let's have another from your list. I think we're on number four out for, uh, for you. Okay. Uh, this one is I've learned more recently, of course, but it's it's very valuable. And uh, it's funny to think that a 50-plus-year-old guy is as sucked into uh, social media stuff as, as someone younger. I, I'm not a TikTok guy, but I'm on Instagram like like probably 30-somethings are on TikTok. Social media, and frankly, the internet is not real life. So mm. uh, it's a very important thing to remember. Uh, it's a very important thing to learn. Like I said, you know, when I was in dental school, no one had a, no one even had a cell phone. So like, like no one had any of this stuff. They didn't have the, <laughs> just to give you an idea. I mean, I was, I, I didn't have my first smartphone till 2010. I mean, I was already, wow. I'd been, I'd been practicing dentistry for 13 years at that point. You know, so it's like, I, mm-hmm. so a lot of, a lot of the stuff we take for granted now didn't even exist when I was there. So it, it is funny to think of, uh, Gen Xers are funny because we started life, but the, the, what has happened in technology has happened mostly during our lifetime. A lot of the stuff we take take for granted, you know. Like I had, I had that we had a remote control television that had one of those little clickers. There was an actual mm-hmm. clicker. Like that was that was the that was the main TV in my house when I was a kid. So, uh, but you know now now we're in this basically this media you know life that everything is at the click of your fingers. And but I, social media is is everywhere. It's everywhere. And it's I mean it, it, there's a lot of benefits to. Uh, to all this stuff, but the reality is, is that what what the main downside is is that it's constantly asking you to compare yourself to someone else. But you're not necessarily comparing. We talked about this the last time. You're not comparing yourself to. You're comparing yourself to whatever they're putting out there. You know, you're comparing your insides mm-hmm. to their outsides. It's not fair. But I mean, like we, it's so ubiquitous and it happens without any thought that you can think less of yourself and what you're doing because of what other people are putting out there. And, and I mean, like it's, uh, everyone hears about that all the time, but that's real. That's, that's so real. And, and I think people forget that and they, or they never learn it in the first place. I think it's really important. Again, it's, these are all pretty generic. They're not very dental specific, the things I've come up with, but it's, I think, cause, cause honestly, it, it needs to be said though. Specific. It needs yeah. to be repeating. You know, this is an important message that needs repeating. I totally agree. Yeah. And like we said on your podcast, when I came on, it's like comparing your, uh, comparing someone else's highlight reel to your uh, uncut daily life mm-hmm. basically. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and that's bad. And comparison uh, is the thief of joy. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have any, uh, a clinical one uh, by, by the way, in your five, I do, I do. I mean, I, I okay. actually didn't, I didn't, but I, I thought to myself, we gotta have, we gotta talk about that. Understand people better, just emotional intelligence and the psychology mm-hmm. of people and the psychology of body language. I forget the name of the book, but one of the first books I read after qualifying was about um, understanding uh, body language and how I, I look at people differently. And the most recent book I'm listening to now, Alan, has just completely wow, just bamboozled me and how much I, I love it and how I look at the world differently now. It's called Surrounded by Idiots. Um, have you heard of it? I guess I haven't. 
<laughs> it's amazing. I totally recommend it. But you might have heard of the DISC analysis or the DISA. So it kind of uh, profiles people into what, what kind of personality type they are, what kind of behaviors they have. So D is for dominant, I is for influential. Uh, and so um, it gives you an understanding of why uh, people behave the way they do. So, uh, you know, you always think that, why is this person doing this? Why are they Everyone's an idiot. The whole world's an idiot kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. And actually, when you understand people's colors, you, you understand why they behave in that way and why when things go wrong, how they behave in a crisis. And it's just given me so much better understanding about even just my own family, my wife. I, I look at her, oh, she's, she's very green. And this is why she does this. And I need to behave in this way. And it's just been amazing. So understanding people better will help you ah. with your patients, will help you with your relationship with your, uh, with your home, and even like something with your dental assistant, which I think uh, a few times in my career, I've had a toxic dental assistant. And it makes your work environment extremely toxic. Now, you as an employer, I, 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 you know, a practice owner, I've heard that um, staffing is the biggest headache. Is that something and that you echo as well? It is. It's, um, uh, lately, the hiring has been a real problem. Just, just hard to come. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot to that. That's a whole podcast. But yeah, as <laughs> as an employer, I have not been. It's been tough to hire. We're we're pretty good right now. We thank goodness. But it's we've we've struggled to 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 find the right people in a, in a way that we probably didn't before before 2020. Okay, great. Let's let's hear your clinical one. Well, I, it basically has, um, you need to dive into magnification and light just as fast as you can. Like, I've heard people talk about, like, I, I've been using six power, uh, six power loops since, what's really funny, I, I bought six power loops from Designs for Vision probably in 2005 or something like that. And they wow. said, I, I tried to use them, couldn't get used to them, couldn't get used to them. They sat on my desk and I, they lapsed past the time I could return them. So they just sat on my desk and stared at me going, ah, you paid for us and you're not using them. <laughs> so I, I finally, I finally pushed through. I finally put them on one day and I was able to use them. And uh, I've been using, you know, high powered loops with a headlamp for, for a long time. And, uh, and then I've moved into literally, I have microscopes in every operatory now too. So, I mean, I, yes, I, I remember you I'm, saying, yeah. I'm heavy into magnification and I got to tell you, like, it's a superpower that a lot of people don't even realize. Like your patients don't realize how close up you can see stuff. They don't realize what you're seeing. And even even when you have a conversation with with uh, uh, colleagues, and they're they're not using magnification or they're using not very much magnification, the reality is you're seeing more than they are. You are you are able to make decisions differently than someone who's not using magnification. And I mean, this it, may be rude, Alan, but anyone who's any dentist who's listening to this, and if you don't use loops, I don't trust you. I would never let no, you. I wouldn't let you. I'm sorry. I wouldn't let you work. I mean, yeah. my, all of my my, exactly. my hygienists all have loops. I mean, like like everyone has has loops. But I do, and, and I've heard people say, well, you really don't. If if you're a restorative dentist, you only need to go up to X because if you go up higher, you're missing something. Like, ah, you're, they're wrong about that. They don't they don't understand. They've never used high magnification. And the the, mm -hmm. the higher up you go with magnification, the more light you need. So you kind of need to get like that is an investment uh, that I would I, I'm not a flamboyant guy. I don't buy very expensive stuff, but that's an investment I wouldn't even think twice about. A like, tax deductible essential assessment exactly. uh, that hopefully one day they'll make it a legal requirement for dentists to work uh, with yeah. magnification. Yeah. I heard well, I, in the States that, that you have to have loops as a dental student. Is that, is that true or is that a myth? I, I don't know if you have to, but everyone gets them in dental school now. Yeah. I mean, okay, that's good. I was actually selling loops, interestingly, in dental school. I was a terrible salesman. I'm not sure I ever actually sold a pair. <laughs> but they had students that had loops that you could try and stuff like that. This was way back in the day. And I didn't yeah. really, I didn't use them really in dental school. But uh, like I said, once I started using them, uh, I, I was using them early. I was using them probably in the mm -hmm. late 90s. And I was, I had a headlamp on there just as early as I could back when, um, mm -hmm. 
you used to have to plug him into a box on the counter behind you. I don't know if you ever used anything like that, but <laughs> it was a fiber optic. You would literally, it was a cable. You'd uh-huh. like, you'd like carry this cable and you'd plug it in. And I, I decided I didn't want to work without it at all. So I had a, this box on the countertop in every operatory that you'd plug into. Of course, you'd always forget to unplug and you, you know, you would yank your head and stuff like that. But I, magnification and, and a headlamp are, are vital. And, and the sooner you do this, the sooner, you, if you're not using it, you think, oh yeah, whatever, I don't believe that. And then you use it and you'll go, oh yeah, he was right. I mean, it's, it's simple as that. You just don't know until you know. 100%. And, and I didn't put that on my list because actually, I, you know, I, I was very good early on in my career and I knew the importance of it. But um, the, the, my clinical one is, um, well, what's the most uh, stressful procedure for me and a lot of young dentists, like first few years out, is the dreaded extraction that you struggle with and you mm-hmm. fail. And then you need to call a colleague and it's that embarrassing moment that you need rescuing, right? And mm-hmm. so uh, that stopped happening when I learned and I fully appreciated the power of sectioning teeth mm-hmm. to allow you to make your extraction easier. So the sooner, the sooner, I mean, it took me three years, three, maybe four years to, to do it. And now uh, extractions, re- anxiety about extractions is a thing of a past for me. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think the sooner... Uh, a colleague can learn the power of sectioning and elevating the more successful they'll have um, in extractions and the less anxiety in that, in that you know it's a scary procedure and especially nowadays dentists are qualifying with less and less teeth oh, yeah. uh, extracted yeah. and so therefore the, the sooner you learn this skill I think it's going to uh, serve you really well I, sectioning teeth is, is a, a superpower there's a couple things about that first I always tell myself and sometimes fail at it. I'm not even going to put an instrument on this tooth until I've sectioned it. Like there's a lot of teeth I mm-hmm. can look at and go, I'm, I'm not, I'm not even going to, I'm, I'm just going to section it. And sometimes I, I still want to see, well, is there any wiggle to it? You know, that's not the, <laughs> find out if there's wiggle to it after you section. The other thing is um, if there's a tooth that's got, I like to flat top teeth. I like to take the crown off before I section too, because you can see deeper yes, in. Yes, same. But the thing about it is, is a lot of times you think, yeah, but there's so much good tooth structure up here. I can grab a hold of them. Like, yeah, except it's too high. So it's, mm-hmm. you're more likely to break in a yes. bad spot if you leave that mm-hmm. there. So I, you could argue with me to leave a millimeter or two of tooth structure above the, the, the gingiva, but not much more than that. If you're sectioning, you'll see better. The tooth is coming out one way or the other. It doesn't matter if it comes out in pieces or a whole piece. So mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. The, the, the more you can see, which is to say take that crown off and then section, the better. And I have, I still, I still fight with myself about that sometimes because it seems like a waste when you've got good tooth structure above the the gum line, but it's not doing any favors. If you can't, it's just going to break off. So yeah, you're exactly right. The the bone belongs to the patient. The tooth belongs to the surgeon. So uh, you do what you want to the tooth, basically. Yeah, Yeah, an oral surgeon told me that. So I I, I like that. Well, we've gone three or five. My final one, basically, is and uh, the parallel I probably draw in in, uh, U.S. dentists is you have this whole thing about which I don't understand insurance, PPO, that kind of stuff. Basically, here the the battle we have in the U.K. is a public funding system, NHS versus private, that kind of stuff, Uh, and. I had such anxiety about growing private. I had imposter syndrome, had huge worries. It's the best thing I did. And I'm not saying that, you know, your, everyone's experience will be the same, but to, to practice the kind of dentistry that I want to practice in my own terms, as the way I was taught at dental school and on my courses, and for, to get fairly remunerated for me was liberating for me in my career and really helped me to, to uh, I guess, reinforce my portfolio and make me the, the dentist I am today in terms of being comfortable enough to do so many procedures and enjoyment, fulfillment from dentistry. Mm-hmm. Is, mm-hmm. is huge. And I, I, I speak to my colleagues who are not ready to make that move. They'll never be ready. They'll never, ever be ready. They'll, they'll always feel anxiety within themselves. But I want to say that this, I, 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 mean, I move fairly soon into private, but 
if I could do it sooner, I would. If I can okay. go back to my career now, okay. anything that you can, perhaps the American audience listening about the the sort of insurance stuff, what what's the advice you give regarding that? Okay, so I've got a couple thoughts about this. I I we only participate with one, and I was I was laughing with a friend like we participate with one insurance in my office, so I've, I've pretty much gotten rid of all insurance except it's one massive insurance that everyone takes. So the story is it's still we're still participating with insurance. It's great to say oh I, I'm. I'm fee for service, except I only take one insurance, except everyone freaking has that insurance. And it's a huge, you're still taking a huge right now. So whatever. But for me, demographically, I, I, I work in an area that was a big General Motors uh, town. It is a big General Motors town. Everyone, one of the benefits that General Motors people got is just cherry dental insurance, really uh, dental benefits that they thought it was great. The problem with it is, is that over the years, it's changed everyone's mindset about it. Like your dental insurance does not care what your dental condition is. You get this much to spend. And and when I first started, it seemed like a lot. And now it seems like nothing because it hasn't changed in 25 mm. years. The amount, the amount these people got, you know, we, they used to be able to do multiple crowns and pay 10% and all this stuff. Well, it's not like that really anymore. It's it's different now and it hasn't really changed much. So the these are golden handcuffs on some level. Like like it was what was great for me when I started it is not so great now. But it's an awful lot harder because my mindset's kind of set too. So the earlier, if you think that's where you want to go, and I don't know, I think everyone probably thinks that's where they want to go. Uh, go early, go early, and because there's there is going to be some pain. Uh, it's not, you know, it's not if you are uh, there's going to be some pain, and 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 you might as well get through it if you're going to do it. Um, it is. It seems to be demographically like if you're in an area where there's not a lot of dentists and people don't have a lot of choices, you it's much easier to do that than an area that's real competitive. I mean, I know Southern I California is well. miserable for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so, so, I mean, if you're going to do it, do it early and, and understand that insurance and benefits have broken the brains of consumers, uh, medical insurance, uh, people think dental insurance, dental benefits are like medical insurance. And it's not, it's nothing like it. Uh, and I don't know if it is there, but it's definitely not here. It's they, they limit the amount that you are able to do. And, and so thus, if you have you know, even moderately complex needs, your, your dental benefits don't mean anything. It's 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 like a coupon. You know, it's it's at best. But uh, patients think that well, I have dental benefits. I shouldn't have to. You know, this should cover my dental needs. Well, I mean, yeah, if you have pristine teeth with nothing wrong, maybe. So it's it's a. I think part of the mindset of of the consumer is is a tough deal. So in any case, yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna go if you're gonna get away from insurance, do it early and and, and understand insurance because I have to say insurance is not easy to understand you know like because every every you know every policy is different every every it's uh, and i don't take the time to be perfectly honest i'm i'm uninterested in that stuff so but if you're smart you you would do better than i do and just just a little caveat and a disclaimer that you know not to take away uh, anything from the the hardworking dentists in the uk who have a contract you know i used to say nhs dentist but then uh, one of my dentist colleagues and listeners of the podcast said uh, message me and, and called me out and said listen you can't call someone an nhs dentist that we're a dentist it doesn't matter you know, yeah. you can't say insurance dentist. You know, the dentist at the end of the day, it's just a dentist who chooses to have this contract with the, this insurance or insurance. And mm-hmm. I, I respect that. And so, if you do have a, a contract and you're happy and it's working for you and you're serving your patients, amazing. Sure. I think yep. the compass should be happiness. If you are unhappy, 
where you are uh, and you try change things and it's not working and you think it is just like you said I love it the golden handcuffs the other one I've heard is the poison chalice you know that, that kind of stuff mm-hmm. uh, and, 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 and if you are if you think this is the thing that needs to change then now you know this, the, the best time to change was, was, uh, was yesterday the second best time yeah, is. Uh, is, is today Alan it's been absolutely amazing to have you on uh, honestly I've, I'm, uh, you, you definitely uh, met my expectations of all the different five I love the variation Excellent. in them they're so real and I appreciate you uh, revealing some things about your past which I really really respect and Maya, you're very straight talking, and this is why I would recommend everyone to check out the Very Dental Podcast. If 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 no, no reason at all, then just listen to his voice. It's amazing, right? In your commute, I trust me. You know, he's got the best voice in dentistry, uh, and now he'll be on video as well on YouTube and stuff. And I've been encouraging him in his podcast, like, yeah, go, you, need to, you need to record some more footage mm-hmm. on your scope yeah. and stuff, and, and put that on. How, how's that going? It's okay. It's okay. I, I had a. It's really funny because. Okay, so one of the scopes I have, uh, I, they all have cameras. One of them has a real built-in video camera, which is really cool. And the one thing they didn't put on it is, okay, when you pull the trigger for a long pull to start the video, but there's no indicator that the video is on. So unless you have it up on the monitor where it says recording, you don't know if it's recording or not. So, so many times like, oh, I'm getting great footage. And I look back and it's not freaking recording. I didn't, I'm like, so that that is, a, I, I wish that I could get the the folks over at ZoomX to put a little indicator light on that. So that that's it's it's my technical incompetence that's holding me up mostly let me just say that yeah. Well, there's a lot we can learn from you. And uh, if you want to uh, learn more from uh, Alan, then check out the Very Dental Podcast. I'll put the links in the show notes. Um, Alan, thanks so much for your time. I, I really, I'm not saying, I really enjoyed our chat. Honestly, it was, it was a nice 10 things that we combined together. I appreciate your, your reflections on mine as well. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, there we have it, guys. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. I told you it'd be relatable, right? Lots of life stuff in there. You mentioned a few books, a few clinical practice scenarios. I think it's a very relatable episode, so I hope you enjoyed it. You can get some CPD if you're a premium subscriber on the app. That's www.protrusive.app. And once you make your login, you can use an iOS and Android. And of course, if you want to learn more about this and have some questions, do uh, Instagram us at at Protrusive Dental. This is a managed Instagram. So my team take care of that. So if you have any clinical questions and I always try and help out, they're probably going to direct you to email me instead. But if you've got any generic queries about subscriptions and content, then please do reach out to us. We're always happy to help. If you did find this episode useful, please share it with a colleague. That would really mean a lot. And that's how this podcast grows. The producer and editor for this episode was Erica Allen Benitez. The CPD is managed by Marie Benitez via the app, and the premium notes for this episode were done by Emma Hutchison. Thank you so much once again, producer Rati, and I'll catch you same time, same place next week.